the NFL stands for not for long. Upset, Sharga and Armstead. Roll out, Walker still running out. Looks to the left, wide open, Thompson touchdown. Colin Thompson with the touchdown. There was nobody within 20 yards. What of a catch off the bobble. Colin Thompson scoops it up. Lofting corner of the end zone. It is caught for the touchdown. The first NFL touch for Colin Thompson is a score. At times we don't have a we don't have a scotch or anything. That's, no, that's probably the problem I just thought about. Yeah. But uh, how you doing, buddy? I'm good. How you doing, man? Thanks for having me on the show. Baltimore Ravens long snapper, All Pro last season. Did the Achilles in the offseason, Sadly, that's the that's the injury of the league this year. I think so. I mean, I I kind of started the trend, I guess, and then yeah, you're Aaron trends. and J.K. and Kirk Cousins and. A lot of guys have just followed suit, I guess. We don't want to harp on the Achilles too much, but, like, take me into the initial, like, holy shit, I just tore my Achilles. Like, I popped my calf last yeah. training camp and then repopped two training camps ago now and then repopped it and repopped it. And, like, I thought I tore my Achilles right away because the way it, like, shot up my yeah. leg. I'm like, oh, my God. But it wasn't, thankfully. Yeah. Well, thankfully, yeah. But what was that initial? Like, is that what everyone I mean, it's, said? Yeah. I, I initially, I was running some, uh, our conditioning test is kind of like a suicide test. And when I, I planted on, on, a, on a cut, I was basically changing 180 degrees, and I heard like this pop noise. And so I looked back because I thought my cleat had kind of, I thought my cleat had exploded, basically, like the sole of my cleat had just popped off. Mm -hmm. And I looked back and I'm like, oh no, my cleat's fine. And I go to take another step with my right foot and my foot's like dangling in the air. And then when I go to hit the ground, I just completely collapse on my leg. And uh, I felt, I had never felt pain like that in my calf ever. Because it all, like mine basically snapped in half, shot all the way in the calf. Calf got really big really quickly. And I mean, it was like burning lava just below, like in the gastroc area. And it, it really hurt. And um, so I was in shock for 90 seconds or two minutes. And then called my trainer uh, with the Ravens and then called my wife and was kind of like, hey, look, <laughs> basically just uh, ruined the whole season because I tore my Achilles. And I knew it kind of right away. I was like laying on the ground, kind of rolling around. My buddy was there. He was like, you all right? I'm like, I think I just popped my Achilles. And uh, sure enough, next day I found out I did. That's this league, though. Like, you know, you don't want to get too personal, but like you just bought a new house in Baltimore. Yeah. Just, like that's Just how moved was... the whole family up here, man. We just... From uh, Georgia. Sold your house. Yeah. We were talking about that earlier. Sold the house in Atlanta. Um Moved up here full-time in May during OTAs and signed a nice contract in March, like excited to be here. And, uh, you know, everything happens for a reason, I guess. And uh, I guess the, the reason I wasn't show. meant to play this year uh, is definitely a shit show. And, you know, it's, it's part of the business. I think we all know. Um, you know we put our bodies through this high-intensity kind of craziness that normal people don't do. So we kind of... You never expect it to happen, but in the back of your mind, you know that this is a possibility. And unfortunately for me, this is my first injury I've ever had in my life. I've never had surgery before. First time I've ever missed playing time because of an injury. Um, and, you know, it just sucks because I had a really good year last season. I was really looking forward to building on that. Just like I said, I got my contract and, you know, we were kind of, me and Jordan and Justin were kind of coming into our own. And, you know, unfortunately I have to sit this year out and watch from afar, but... Uh, you know, like I said, I think everything happens for a reason, and 
I get a lot of good time at home with my wife and my and our son. Uh, so that's been a blessing uh, in, in in the midst of all this chaos. So yeah, small victories, I guess. That's great. Yeah, we're gonna get into all these funny stories, but I, I want to address and start off with just the pure fact that Nick and I were literally on the bottom of the roster in the XFL. I don't think we could have. We were borderline not on the roster. We were like right there with the equipment managers, I think, in, in the XFL. <laughs> so Nick and I we played low. Tampa Bay Vipers together in the XFL. Mark Tressman was our head coach. Yeah, he was. We had that little um, December. Uh, it was like a, they called it like an OTA mini got, camp. Yeah, they field. paid us probably like, what, eight grand for it? Yeah. It was a built-in. It was like yeah. 20 grand of off-season work. Yeah. If you came to the, it was brutal. Like Tressman, I, who I actually liked. Like, yeah, I did. I, I, you know, I thought. Given the circumstances, I thought that they ran it a really tight ship, and I, I yeah. thought it was good for everybody, you know? Yeah. I thought it was too tight, though, during that little OTAs December. Oh, at period. the beginning, it definitely was. He, he was. There was, like, curfew. We were working yeah, six he, days a week. We yeah. didn't have an off day. Like, it was way. He was really trying to go, like, full training camp mode. And in December. No pads. Yeah. But it was, it was a lot of. And we were still trying to feel out, like, the situation, because it was all new for all of us, like, coaches, personnel, players everything was new and and we're like man this kind of sucks we got curfew at 10 o'clock and we're working you know we worked a lot back then even on the off day the next day yeah i'm like i want to go to hat tricks or american social all the places something productive (laughs) and and, and and we were in tampa in december it's like the best time of year to go there and they just you know hit a saturday night and they're doing bed checks at 10 p.m and you're like yeah i mean i guess it makes sense from the pure fact that we're in the xfl they don't want to lose anybody yeah. because the minute one guy goes down, the minute one guy messes up, it's the face of the league. That could have yeah. been a league-mandated thing. You, you, yeah, that's, I mean, that's it makes the XFL sense for when you, you think about that. Like, yeah. if, imagine if a couple guys had got a DUI or oh, something man. even worse. And, then the leagues. And yeah. then that's all they're talking about. It's like the league of rejects is yeah, yeah. You know, getting DUIs. Which we were. And going no DUIs. I mean, Ubers. we were. But yeah. We were rejects for sure. But I used to Uber. With Gerald Foster and John Yarbrough, you know, we had a group text of guys, yeah, right? Yeah. Whoever would come. And it was usually those two characters who I loved. I would Uber from Lakeland, Florida, just about where we were, which was kind of a cool little town. Yeah, it was cool. All the way to, like, uh, Clearwater Beach. Wow. Like an hour. And That's we would, dedication. We'd, I didn't do that. We would split the Uber. I'm like, guys, it's the off day. What do we care? Yeah. What do we care? Let's do it. What is, I'm trying to think. The December time was kind of a blur for me, right? I didn't do it like, then. Right? That was weird. We stayed at a hotel in Tampa. We used to bus out to the yeah, facility, remember? because we stayed at, what, UCF or USF or something USF, the first like, time. USF, like, hotel. Yeah. And then we stayed out. You know, then we stayed at, like, That a, was at that hotel, yeah. Then we stayed at, like, a pit stop situation yeah. uh, before, too. So, I don't know. Yeah, the, the motel. The motel. Yeah. It, the, was, it had the little, like, yeah. uh, Mexican food taco truck across. Literally in the truck stop, like in right the in the par- basically in the parking lot of the. How we get back from like we late night at Hattricks or late night at American Soldier or somewhere in Soho running around, and uh, I would just walk over there and get a little late news twenty four seven. It's kind of good, nice. good Mexican, especially quick. I um I was rooming with Jake Shum and uh, and Andrew Franks was also hanging out with us, and uh, Andrew had a. A bit of a liking to drinking alcohol, so we would we would always go to the gas station and have you know drink some a couple beers in our room every day. Um, but Jake was kind of a a hard like he was one of Jake those, was dialed in. Yeah, he was dialed in. He really wanted to get. He's back a guy to who the like league. again going back to the bottom of the league. Like yeah, he was bombing punts. He spent he was, some yeah. time in the league. Played three years. Uh, he was on IR for a year, but he played too. So he got his. Pension. He was a good punter, man. I, I don't. 
I'm not really sure why he never got a chance. Did he ever work out that? after that at all or no? Yeah, he had one, and then he did uh, he had one with the Bills because he lives in Buffalo. Well, he was doing that thing with the Buffalo. He was, like, covered in snow. And- yeah, I just – I'm not – you know, I, it, it's interesting to me, the guys that – like, remember – you may not remember because you're not uh, – you weren't a specialist, but uh, we had two kickers. One made it. Yeah. Two, both he, of them made The it. guy who didn't make our team, uh, Matt Wright, is still playing in the NFL. Yep. Like, he, he's played since then, 2020. Didn't he need a walk-off for Jax? Yeah, Jax. He played with the, um, played with the Steelers because they played against him. And then he also played for, played for another team. But I think he started this year on a roster, like 2023. And he um, didn't even make our team in the XFL. <laughs> and then Andrew had played a couple years with Miami before the XFL, but he didn't get anything after. I was the fourth, really third tight end, but I was the yeah. fourth guy. Yeah. And at one point in training camp, I was the fourth guy. Then you got sick, which we think, I believe, was COVID. 100% was COVID. Because it was January before it went down, and the whole team had it. I remember laying in bed. They quarantined like, me in my own room. This is the worst and thing. And they hit in me the with world. a Z-pack. This was the worst thing in the world. Yeah. Sweating. Dude, it was brutal. I, I mean, I was, I couldn't even move. I had a 104-degree fever. I'm like, I, I lost 10 pounds in three days, which really? I probably needed to lose it, but that's besides the point. <laughs> But I, uh, I was, yeah, I was like, I had never been that sick that quickly. And then it just went away. After like three days, I was like totally fine. Yeah. And I yeah. snapped in practice. Yeah, you snapped. And, and it was that, game. that half, yeah, it was like that half game that you played in. I was rolling them back there, baby. And uh, you, did, you did good then back then. I and, did good. Uh, I was nervous. I remember Frank was like, man, he called me when, I, when he found that I was sick. He's like, I don't know what we're going to do. Like, I don't know about, I don't even know if Colin can snap. I'm like, he'll be fine. And then he called me after the game. He's like, oh, he did good. And you did. I thought you, I thought you snapped well. I like Frank, man. He was one of my favorite special teams guys I've ever had. Dude, Frank Gans was, uh, for me, he w- I had a blast with him. He was, uh, I-, I loved him, and, and he was great to me. He had, obviously, the connection with Baltimore. He was the special teams coordinator that drafted Sam Cook, my first punter, um, and still coach. And it's just, it's crazy how that guy, man, he's just, he was so wild. Always, always talking about golf and like playing at these like amazing golf courses across the world and uh, love turf. He's a, he sells his he sells his grass out of Florida. Does he really? Yeah. That, you know what the the thing about the XFL that was tough was there's a lot of really great relationships that were being built that got severed. I haven't seen you yeah. since then. I saw you the other day at the I gym. I know. Yeah. And then you're like, hey, let's we've let's talked get a couple times. We I saw you when we did joint practice with you guys. Yep. Um, in 21, and no, it's that's the toughest part about all the you know all professional sports like. You and especially for that, it got ended so abruptly. Like we weren't, we still had five games left. You know, we basically had another month and a half left. Plus, if we had ended up, which we were one and four, so we probably weren't going to make the playoffs. But we still had at least five or six weeks together. And that just like, hey, Thursday night, they're like, we're going to meet in the morning, and then boom, season's over. And it was like, all right, well, see you later. And we all just kind of, everyone just kind of went their separate way, and you know, yeah. I. It just it happened so quickly. And I think the whole world the same way. But that's that the hardest part time. about what we do. You weren't able to go virtual. You weren't able to meet. No. You weren't able to go through those things. No, I remember like yeah. calling Frank, talking through different situations, and like texting him when I made it to Carolina. Like yeah. thanks, man. And then that, like that's it. It just goes away. I talked to Frank when I uh, made the team in twenty, and then one more time in twenty twenty one, and that was it. I haven't talked to him since. Yeah, that's how it goes. And and. Everyone kind of goes their own way in football and different sports. That's, that's the shitty part about the game. I want to go back to, like, just 
your point of like the guys at the bottom of the roster. Like Aaron Murray was a starting quarterback. He did not do well for us at all. No, he was the guy. He was the one guy on our team that was making like legit money, money. a couple hundred grand. Yeah, he made like over two hundred thousand, and he only played one game. And then Quentin Flowers, who very well could have been our starter, yeah, he was just like pissed the whole time that he wasn't the starter to start the year. Yeah. So then here comes Taylor Cornelius, our third quarterback. If Taylor actually was, played great. If Taylor was our third quarterback, yeah, we would have been great the whole year. Jerry Glanville's defensive coordinator, yeah, cover dude. zero every yeah, play. Yeah, every play just, just cover zero. And, and then uh, we had a blast, man. It was a good time. A lot of great little bars and restaurants we hit up. Oh, yeah. The city playing in Tampa was awesome. I had the most fun, dude. I, I thought it was. I, no, I, I loved it. I I'm thought for it the other leagues, 100%. Oh, absolutely. I, th- I think, I mean, obviously it worked out for both of us. You know, we both no made question. it to the NFL and. Several other guys in in the leagues made it, and I think it's, I just think it's great because like we made decent money, like we I was working a nine to five before the XFL. I was working as a financial accountant, um, part time. My wife would say I was working from like seven to one. Yeah, then you trained, and then I was training the rest of the day, and I was making you know four hundred fifty bucks a week doing that, and then they called and they're like, hey, we're gonna pay you. At minimum, what was it like fourteen hundred a week plus yeah. whatever we got for the win. games? We have one win bonus. Yeah, one twenty-two hundred. And a couple of Bud Light seltzers. Or... Plenty of Bud Light seltzers after that win bonus. Yeah. Um, but they, I mean, I made like thirty-five grand in in like three months, and like it's still not the NFL, but it's like it gets you to live out your dream a little bit longer, gives you another chance, and it keeps you out of the office, dude. I mean, like most of us are the similar mindset where like. We want to be doing activities and like being pro, you know, being in in sports and and doing all that stuff. So I think it's great for guys like me who got a chance in the NFL right out of college and then immediately got cut. And then I was like, well, what am I supposed to do now? And that league came around, and best decision I ever made was going and playing. No doubt, no I mean, doubt. It's, I it's love a it, no-brainer. Man. I had a blast. All right, so I think I buried the lead in a way you know, your baseball career. Let's go back to, like, where it started. Like, your youth sports thing. You're playing all these different sports. Like, take us through that journey of, like, youth in the high school, football, baseball, you know, getting drafted. Like, all this kind of this world for you of, like, how it all worked out with yeah, the sports. Yeah, I've, I've been a pro athlete for quite a while these days. I um, So, growing up, I was a football, baseball, wrestling. And then when I got to high school, I um, decided I didn't want to do wrestling. Um, just because it, like, it was kind of like November to like February, and where the high school I went to, we usually we were we were pretty good, made it to the playoffs. So we play like into November and even December, and then baseball would start like right at the end of January, and so wrestling kind of overlap in both of those. Um, so I decided not to wrestle in high school and focus on football and baseball, and baseball was kind of the dream for me. Um, that was always something I wanted to do was make play minor league professional baseball and try to make it to the big leagues and be like, you know, I grew up watching Barry Bonds and Chipper Jones and that was like the dream, you know, make it to the big leagues, play baseball until I'm 40, you know, live the good life for the rest of my life. Um, Sounds fun. And played football at high school kind of as, uh, I, lo- I loved it because like the high school I went to in Georgia, uh, Brookwood in Gwinnett County, and it's like, my dad was a coach there from the day the school opened. He's still a coach there, 42 years later, 43 years later, still coaches there. Um, and it was like small town USA football. Like when it was Friday, the, you know, I grew up going to the game. So Friday, they, all the stores and restaurants would close down. Everyone would go to the game. It was like this huge ordeal every week, just like they talk about in Texas. I mean, it's the same, 
same kind of deal. So I wanted to be a part of that because I grew up in that life as my dad was a football coach. And when I got to high school, I was like, that's what I want to do. Like, I want to play the high school football and like, you know, be with my boys that I've been playing sports with since we were, you know, some of them five. Mm-hmm. And so I played football and actually was pretty decent in high school. All my, all my sport accolades in high school were football related. What position did you play? I played safety, believe it or not. <laughs> um, did you snap too? Yeah. So I, my older brother was a long snapper um, and tight end. And, oh, long snapper and defensive end. And then um, I did it, my dad being a coach and like having the, the savvy to be like, hey, I, have, I had a good arm as a baseball player. He's like, we're going to have you snap to learn how to snap. You know, your older, Jake is my older brother. Jake was a long snapper, um, but we want you to do it as well just to have it in your bag. And then my, so that was my, my freshman year. Jake was the snapper my freshman and sophomore year. Then he graduated. And then I was not, one of my buddies was, he, he was like long snapping. That was like all he was doing. So he became the long snapper. Um, I'll never forget, we had a, a rain game against one of our bigger rivals, and he snapped it over the punter's head. We ended up losing like 10, I think we ended up losing 17 to 10. And then I started snapping the next week. And then my senior year, so that was my junior year, I snapped like half the year. And then my senior year, I snapped all the way until the second round of the playoffs when our punter got hurt. I was a backup punter. Um, and so when he got hurt, I went to punter, and one of my other buddies went to long snapper. Um, but I did, you know, my dad just forced me to do it, basically. And I, got, you know, I was okay at it in high school. I probably thought I was a shit, but I wasn't. Um, and then so that was like kind of my football day. We ended up winning the state championship of football. And, and like I had really positive memories and good memories about – how football ended for me so that when, you know, once we get through my baseball story, that's kind of why I wanted to go back. Um, and so played my ba- senior year in baseball, get drafted um, by the Red Sox in the 30th round in 2011. Um, got about $200,000 signing bonus. So I was like, shit, I'm not going, <laughs> I'm not going to college. Bro. <laughs> I was going to Kennesaw state, which is a baseball school outside of Atlanta. Yeah. Um, Great baseball school. Some of my some of the guys I went to school with, they ended up going to Super Regional in 2014, which would have been my junior year. A um, couple of my buddies got drafted in the first round out of Kennesaw. Um, great baseball school. I just school wasn't something I wanted to do. You know, I just I, my dream was to play baseball. So I got the opportunity, got a decent amount of money at 18. I was like, screw it, you know, I'm I'm going to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, and honestly, I didn't make it to the big leagues, but it's best. I think it's one of the best decisions I ever made. I definitely wouldn't be where I am right now if I hadn't made that choice. Um, and so I just, you know, I signed with the Red Sox, ended up playing, you know, about four and a half years in the minors, um, dabbled anywhere from a rookie ball to a, a cup of coffee in double A. Um, started out pretty good, had a really rough year, my, my second full year, uh, 2013 and had a really bad year and then that was kind of the end of it i played one more full season after that in 2014 and then 2015 i played half a year and got cut um why 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 is there like a wall there because it's so many guys had the same story it's either like man i got made all the way through to minor triple a and i had a cup of coffee in the majors or i took off yeah or it's like man i just hit this wall and like uh, guys are just excelling past me so the the tough part about the minor leagues especially coming out of high school is like 
you come out at 18, you're like the, you know, the new shiny object or toy or whatever. And, and so they give you all the chances. And I, I was a late round draft pick and they didn't give me a lot of money. I mean, the grand scheme of baseball, 200 K is nothing. Now they're giving out, you know, the fir- we had four first rounders that year and they were, you know, all four of them were a million point, 1.2 or more. Who were they? Uh, we had, um, uh, our first pick was Matt Barnes. And then a pitcher out of UConn, who's in the big leagues with the Red Sox still. Um, second pick was uh, Blake Swihart, catcher out of New Mexico uh, High School. Really good player, made it to the big leagues. Um, you know, didn't, didn't play it very long, but he made a couple years in the bigs. Uh, Henry Owens was a left-handed pitcher out of uh, Huntington Beach, California. He was a stud. Not sure what happened to him. He, I think he got... The Y word, I won't say it out loud, but I got the Y, Y-I-P-S. Um, mm-hmm. And never, uh, you know, played a little bit in the big leagues, but never really got his footing. And then Jackie Bradley Jr. out of South Carolina is a stud. I mean, he's still playing in the big leagues. I think he's with, last I checked, he was with the Brewers. Uh, I'm not sure who he's with anymore. But but they had those four guys, and they got like, you know, they probably got $8 million between the four of them. And... So for, for me to get 200 grand, they're like, yeah. whatever, we'll just you know, give him his chances. And I actually did really well my first year and a half. Um, I was probably hitting like 260, you know, doing, I wasn't like hitting home runs or anything that, you know, I should have been doing, but I was, I played pretty good. And then 2013, I really struggled making contact. I, I swung and missed a lot, had a lot of strikeouts and I just, I that was, was kind of the end of it. I was a freshman in Florida at that point in time. Yeah. Excuse me, 2013? Yeah. I was a sophomore in Gainesville. Dang. Did you ever do Florida, Georgia? You, you ever go as a, pa- as a patron no, or you do as a player? Everyone as a patron. Whew. Haven't been yet. I'll go one day. It's a good time. Um, I've been as a patron three different times. <laughs> Two as a player, and I didn't play. Yeah. I didn't travel. Yeah. And then I went this past year. That's we got to go. I need I to mean, go, it's yeah. tough. Career. When your career's over, we'll go. Yeah. That, that game's so much fun. Um, but I, uh, you know, I just, what, I, I couldn't figure out how to hit. Like, I never... I never really matured in, in the hitting aspect until it was too late. And so being a high school kid, you know, in, in your third year, that's where you really have to, like, start making that jump. They, they put me on the, the short, low A, so it was, like, my first full season. Uh, broke camp is what they call it. And so I, they gave me, like, my, my chance, and I squandered it. You know, I it was hitting, like, 170 after six weeks, and they sent me back down. And by that time, like – you know, I'm, I'm out, so they're, like, trying to find somebody else. Well, then every year they're bringing in the draft, and they're getting the kids out of college. So now I'm, I'm the same age as some of the kids that are coming out of college, except for they're brand new, and I'm not. And I had already yeah. been there. And so that's into, kind of what happened. I, in 2014, I, I finally started getting my footing, playing well. Um, I was hitting the ball pretty well that year. And then we drafted a Sam Travis out of Indiana, second-round first baseman. And that was kind of the, you know, writing on the wall for me that, you know, you gave it your best shot, kid, but that's pretty much it. And mm-hmm. thank you for your service. And they, um, I had a good rapport with a lot of the minor league staff. Um, I worked hard. You know, I had, uh, had a good attitude, even though I wasn't playing a whole lot in 2014. And, and I played well. So they kept me around, tried to give me another chance in spring training in 2015. And it was just a little too little too late. I, uh, you know, I kind of knew it was the end. And honestly, I was, like, relieved because I was – baseball had eaten me up and spit me out. I mean, it was, it was not a good mental – mentally for me, I couldn't handle it. And so I think 
you know, when I got cut, I was like, thank God. Because mm-hmm. I don't, and like my dad had always taught me like not to be a quitter. And I had issues when I was a kid. Like I was super competitive and I would get, I would quit when I would lose, you know. But as I got older, you know, my dad always was like instilling in me like, you can't quit. You have to fight this to the end. And so when they cut me, it was like, yeah. I didn't quit. I, I gave everything I had, which I'll, you know, I believe it till the day I die that, I gave baseball everything I had, and I had nothing else to give. When I got cut, I had an opportunity to play with the Orioles, and I was like, "No, I'm, I'm, I'm done." And you can go uh, play now. You can walk across the street. Yeah, well, now, now it would be sick. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I like, I look at it now. I'm like, man, being in the big leagues would be sick. Cause like a lot of my friends, like Cedric Mullins and I went to high school together. It's like one of my, one of my good friends from high school. We played together for three years in high school, and. And a lot of my friends that I got drafted with or I played in the minors with or I grew up playing ball with, they're all in the big leagues. And I'm like, this is sick. Like, the big leagues is amazing. You know, they make a shit ton of money. They, guaranteed. Yeah, it's all guaranteed. It's, they travel like crazy. And they get to play baseball. And, you know, but talent-wise, I was nowhere near it. I mean, I lived with Mookie Betts, who's arguably the best, one of the best baseball players on the planet. And I wasn't even in the same at, uh, galaxy as that dude. Like, was that different, huh? Dude, it, like, we would be at the house, like, playing wiffle ball in the front yard. And it was like watching Derek Jeter hit versus watching a, a nine-year-old baseball player. And you were a professional. And I was a, yeah, like, we were all pros. And we're out there playing wiffle ball with the little golf balls, you know, working on, like, just kind of jerk, you know, kind of just screwing around and passing the time during spring training, but also like actually working on my hand-eyes coordination and getting barrel on the ball and, and look like having that small ball so it makes it a little bit tougher. And that dude was just so much better. Like, I, I'd be like, I don't know how you're doing this because we're all swinging and missing. Was he a draft pick or college guy? He was draft pick out of high school. Yeah, he was fifth rounder 2011. We got drafted together. Fifth round. Fifth rounder out of, out of Tennessee. He was a basketball and baseball How much money has he made in his career? Um... Well, 500. But, I mean, his contract that he just signed was uh, what was it? Nine years, 369 million, with an option for a tenth year to go to 397. But that gets paid out until he's like 47. Yeah, he's gonna be making 10 to 12 million dollars a year for Bobby Benilla, whatever, whatever yeah, stay. Yeah, yeah. yeah, Bobby Benilla day for yeah, the Mets. Guy, yeah, guy's a stud. Um, and so I like I was around a lot of guys that made it to the big leagues and I was just like I'm never gonna make it these guys are so much better than me like on on their worst day they're better than me on my best day like I didn't have I had one game in my entire career where I didn't get out in the game I went three for three with three doubles one time Mookie's first two games in double a he went eight for eight with four homers and four doubles (laughs) I'm like the most home runs I hit in one season was four he did it in two games in his first two games in double A. Different cat. Just, I mean, just, I mean, you, you, you know, like, it's like that in, in our uh, oh. profession, too. I watch Lamar, and I'm like, <laughs> yeah, that guy's just built in a different, like, he's built somewhere else. Like, I'm, I'm, I was born over here. This guy yeah. was manufactured. They're C-Mac, Justin Jefferson. We're, we're going to get into the NFL yeah. stuff. I want to get to Georgia, though, before we get to there. So, baseball ends. You're saying I'm going to become his long snapper. How do you get to Georgia I, um, from baseball? So I did not initially say I wanted to be a long snapper. <laughs> I wanted to go to college. I was ready to go back. I was ready to go to school. At that point, I was older, more mature, 
I was ready to do something with my life. The, the plan was go to college, use football as a, a gateway to networking and yep. getting to know people and, and use that to help propel me in my life after sport, after Brilliant. I graduated. And that's what more kids should do. Yeah, 100%. I firmly believe like a lot of kids I coach and recruit, like help with recruiting. They're like, well, I, I need to, I'm going to get my scholarship to D2 or get some like books money to go play D3. Yeah. I'm like, no, if you can afford it, go walk on division one. Yeah. I That's think, why the grades are so important for kids yeah. too. I think kids at, at like at, coming out of college, uh, sorry, coming out of high school, I don't think I ever would have rationalized that in my head. Like go there to use it to propel you for yeah. the next stage. You know Cause what I mean? your network is so big. 100%. Like, George, on the other side of this camera, like, we never would have met if it wasn't for college sports. Yeah. I mean, they, Both of us. Yeah, I have so many connections. Like, my agent is one of my former teammates at Georgia. Yeah. Uh, my, my, my sports agent now. And so, that was my plan to, like, use that. Because I had known guys that I went to high school with and that were a little bit older than me that went to my high school that played Paul. At, like, they, they were on the team at Georgia or Tennessee or, or what, you know, what have you. And they're like getting jobs with, with people just because they play ball. Yeah. And, and I had a friend of mine who I grew up playing football with, um, a guy by the name of Cameron Faulkner, that we started playing ball together at seven, and we graduated high school together. He did the, in, in, I guess it was NAIA back then. Yeah. He went to Bethel College in Tennessee. Yep. Uh, ended up tearing his ACL and decided, you know what, I'm just going to go to Georgia and walk on. I just want to go to Georgia and I want to be on the football team. And now it takes a certain amount of athletic ability to do that. Yes, but hundred percent less than people realize. But back I think, then they weren't doing the walk. Like Mark Rick wasn't doing the walk on tryouts that Kirby's doing now. Oh, Kirby has what bigger walk on tryouts. Yeah. Now it's like real tryouts. Yeah. Tryouts. It's yeah, that big of a deal, huh? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Cause they too many guys like back when Rick was there, you know, basically I saw it once we went to the national championship in 20, 2017, 2018, the number of people that want to be on the team skyrockets. And so you have to draw a line. You only have so many guys in the locker room. Like, we had 130. You guys had good walk-ons. Yeah. I mean, you see Texas A&M the other day? They had the walk-ons. Yeah, right yeah, the whole walk-on kickoff they team. Cover, they cover. Yeah. The, look around, though. Those guys were dudes now running down. Yeah, they're all still like, good. Yeah, they're still good players, you know? Yeah. And... So how's it go? Talk me through the progression. Yeah, so I, I walk on at Georgia. So you say, I'm going to University of Georgia. Yeah. I want to play football. I wanted to, I wanted to go home. I just started dating my wife at the time, um, and I was like, I want to be home. Because my dad was always, he was my coach my whole life, all the way from, yeah. I started baseball at three. And so he didn't get to watch a lot of my minor league games because they were so far away. We're like, you know, we're playing in, you know, East Bumble in Ohio. Like, you know, my dad's not coming. Yeah, and, and it's like you're there for two nights, and then you're on a bus. Yeah, and so he, he saw me probably play, you know, 20, 25 games, I think, in the four years I was playing. Which is a lot in baseball. Yeah. A lot, um, but I uh, so I decided I wanted to be home so that my dad could at least, you know, at that time I was like, I'm gonna play like I went to school as a linebacker, I was like, <laughs> I'm gonna play linebacker, okay. In the SEC, I was like watching kids I went to high school with that are on the team, I'm like, I'm better than this guy, or I'm as, yeah. I'm as good as him, right? Yeah. Well, I quickly learned it's not always about how good you are, you know, especially in college, um, but. Also went to Georgia with Roquan Smith, and we were both freshmen together. This guy's a borderline wide receiver for Alabama who comes into Georgia as a, as a linebacker, running a f- sub-4-4, four four, 
and just we're doing like these 10 yard burst starts my first day and i'm like this kid was past the 10 yard line before i even got off the blocks i'm like getting out of my stance and he's just gone and so i quickly realized after i did fall camp at linebacker and i was i mean i, I was very I'm, I'm very football intelligent because my dad's a coach i grew up watching film my whole life mm-hmm. um so I, have a, I, I understand football really well, and I can fit and do all that stuff. But I'm not fast. I mean, I'm slow, let's be honest. And I wasn't super, I'm not super physical, like, comparative to Roquan. <laughs> yeah. I, I'm a lot more, like... <laughs> to an all-pro linebacker. Yeah, like, to one of the best of our generation at linebacker. So, you know, after my fall camp, uh, Brian Pruitt, uh, Jeremy Pruitt, sorry. Jeremy Pruitt was our um, defensive coordinator. Yeah. And I got a good, I had a good relationship with him. And he brings me to the side first day of school, like first practice outside of football camp. And he goes, hey, uh, what do you think about playing fullback? And I go, it's probably a good idea. He's like, yeah, because uh, you ain't never playing defense. And I, so I moved to fullback that day. Um, and, he, you know, he, it wasn't a knock on me. Like he was no. doing me a favor trying to get me on the field. Yeah, because you would have been off the roster. Yeah, he's Eventually like... Eventually, you would have been off. Yeah, he's like, this kid can play, but he just can't play here. Let's try to figure out where we can put him. And he did me a favor. I mean, he, that first year sucked because I played like 11 snaps my first year um, between special teams and fullback um, as a freshman. And that was back before you could play four games and get redshirted. So they, they only let... You know, I didn't get my redshirt that year. Um, but then I played a little bit more my next year. And it got me, like, got my footing in the SEC. I mean, it's playing football after not playing for five years is, like... And you weren't snapping at this point. No, I wasn't snapping. You, um, you, like, what's that period of time from when you snapped the ball in high school until you snapped the ball? The last time I snapped the ball in high school would have been October of 2010. And the first time I snapped in, the, in college in a game was September of 2017. Wow. Yeah. So almost seven years to the day, exactly. All right, so how did you say, I need a snap? Um, so I, when Kirby came in, we, we needed guys. We had, we had graduated a couple older snappers. We had one guy on the roster that was a snapper. And he was like, all right, I need guys that can snap. And so I was like, yeah, I can do it. You know, I did it in high school, whatever. Um, and so he started making, like, let me snap during fall camp, like, during punt rush drill or like, you know, whatever. If we're like, you got the fives out there on punt. He's like letting me go. Well, then the long snapper gets hurt the first game of the year, um, my jun- my sophomore year. And Kirby comes over and he's like, all right. Did you-? He's like, all right, you're going to play next week. You're our, you're our guy. You're going to long snap. I'm like, sick. We had just implemented the pro style punt that year. Shane Beamer came in, brought the pro style punt from Virginia Tech. And... So I'm like, I go out there Monday, have a good practice. Tuesday, go out there, have a good first couple of reps. Like third or fourth rep, just sail one, like 100 yards over the punter's head. And Kirby comes over and he's, you know, he's, he's mother, mother effing me the whole time. And he's like, you're never going to play long snapper here. That's just terrible. Throws me out of the drill. I did not play long snapper that whole season. Um, still worked at, that's when I first started working at long snapper. Um, Left less of a focus on fullback, more of a focus on long snapper. Still played special teams that year, kickoff return, punt return. And then, so then moving into 2017, the, uh, the kid who ended up playing over me in 2016 graduated. And we switched away from the pro style punt, went to the spread punt, which 
for people that don't know, as a long snapper, that makes a huge difference. Because yep. like on a pro style punt, you have to block, so you got to snap, move. You know, you, you're involved just like an offensive center would be, except for you're snapping with two hands and the guy's 15 yards behind you. Uh, when you go to the spread punt, there's no blocking. You just snap the ball and you can just watch it go all the way back to the punter. So it's so much easier um, as, from a snapping perspective. So we moved to the um, spread punt and long snapper ahead of me, same guy that got hurt the year before, comes back fifth year and gets hurt the week before our first game. He pulls his hamstring in our scrimmage. And I was the number two. And I, at that point, I had been snapping pretty good. But I was still doing special teams and, and like helping out at fullback and stuff like that. And so Kirby brings me in after Trent. Trent Fricks was the long, other long snapper's name. He's like, Trent's out. He's going to miss the first couple of weeks. So we're gonna, we're, I want you to long snap. And I'm like, he's like, but now don't, don't fuck it up for me. And I'm like, all right. And I ended up playing the first three games at long snapper. Did well. Um, you know, played on the road at Notre Dame. Um, mm-hmm. Big, you know, big game. We, I think Remember we ended up game. winning 20 to 19. Yep. Um, and so got a little bit of a taste. And then in college, I was an eligible number because I played fullback. So I was number 43, whereas Trent was number 69. So non-eligible. In college, you can't report as eligible like you can in the NFL. So we had a fake the whole year. It was, uh, it was called Tiger. It was a long snapper pass. And so we would basically, we would, I would be the end man on the line of scrimmage. And our punter... We had a punter who had punted at Georgia. Bryce Ramsey was a quarterback. And so we put this in like when I was the, when I was the actual long snapper. And we ran it all year in practice. Every week we'd do it. So I had to like stay up on my long snapping even though I wasn't playing in any of the games. And then I ended up playing. He, we called the fake against Alabama in the national championship game. Did not work. Um, and then my buddy ended up having a 19-yard punt. So I played that one play in the natty. And then 20, uh, 18, I became the full-time long snapper, and I was the guy. And I snapped all 14 games, um, played the Sugar Bowl, and then did the Reese Senior Bowl and, and signed with the Saints uh, after the draft in 2019. And then you went Saints, XFL. Yeah, did the Saints, got cut halfway through training camp, got an office job for about three months, and then XFL 2020. Bam. And then Raven, COVID happened and signed with the Ravens in 2020, and that's pretty it. much it. That's where we're at. All right, go back to the Sugar Bowl. It was a great story where you started telling off air, and I'm like, stop telling the story because I need to be Sugar Bowl, man. Sugar Bowl party story. And, and we're again, we're, Nick and I are retired. This is, I don't want to ever be retired. Yeah. But we're going to get some good stories when we yeah, retire. This is, I think. Uh, but this is, you, this is a Georgia story. I'm, I'm okay telling it. Okay, I don't, I don't okay. have a problem talking about this. Give them um, the Sugar Bowl story. Not, I think it's a. Uh, Sugar Bowl is a good time now. I was there in 2012, 2013, yeah. 2012 season Sugar Bowl. We lost to Teddy Bridgewater. When he got laid wow. out by John Bostic, that big hit. Yeah, that's when Notre Dame got smoked by Alabama in the national yeah. title. Florida was third in the country. Mm-hmm. I was on the sideline, literally looking at the field, being like, "This is a different sport. It's I totally different. I, yeah. I don't know if I can do this." Yeah, I remember my first couple of times. So, so we play. <clears throat> go to Texas. Sugar Bowl. We play Texas in the Sugar Bowl, and for those of you that don't know, Athens is a notorious party school. Um, it is. We have a lot of bars. <laughs> we drink a lot. Uh, we like we like drinking. We like having a good time. I mean, it's just so games in the south. Florida, same thing. Yeah, and so we. My last college game was the Sugar Bowl against Texas, and I have a whole family in town uh, just because it was my last game, and so I got my mom, my parents there. My best friend, and his uh, parents are there. My brothers are there. Um, their girlfriends are there. My girlfriend was there. 
Um, one of her friends was there. So it was like I had a lot of people in because New Orleans isn't that far from Atlanta. It's like a seven-hour drive. And so we played this game. And first of all, we absolutely rage faced the whole week while we're there, right, at the Sugar Bowl. So we go in and we're, you know, we play Texas. We're super sluggish. It's like we're playing in quicksand because we're just like, we looked terrible on the field. We end up losing 28 to 21. Um, and so after That's the, Texas is back, the whole Yeah, nine. this is the Sam Ellinger. Texas is back and they're not. Um, they <laughs> haven't been great. back since. And they were never back, so Georgia was just hung over. Yeah, we, we just, like, for us, we, th- ex- we thought we were going to make it to the playoff that year. We lost to Alabama in the SEC Championship 35-28. Should have won that game. Just Who's your quarterback? Uh, Jake Fromm. Okay. And so that was the Jake Fromm, Justin Fields whole th- debacle. Mm-hmm. Um, and so you know, we, we thought we should have made it to the Natty or made it to the playoffs. You know, we ended up getting ranked fifth, not making it to the playoffs. And... For us, after going to the playoffs and national championship the year before, it, at that point, it's like nobody nobody cares. Like, we're not in the playoffs. We're not playing for anything. Yeah, it diluted the bowl games. Like, there's no... Sugar Bowl, great. There is there is a sense of pride. There is not. But, like, a, after coming off a national championship and, like, experiencing that, and then even though it's still a New Year's Six Bowl, we were just like, oh, this sucks. Like, nobody wants to be here. Yeah. Opposite for Texas. They're yeah. like, we're in the Sugar Bowl, blah, you know, big deal. And which we probably should have played a little bit harder. But anyways, we didn't. We lose. And I'm like, well, this is my last game. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm graduated. I'm done with Georgia football. i just gotten accepted into the Reese Senior Bowl like a couple weeks before. So I was like riding high. And it was, you know, right after New Year's. Um, so I had all my friends down there. So we went out after the game. And, I mean, we went out. Like, of course, you know, Bourbon Street never closes. Doing piano bar. Yeah. You the like big beers on the street. Our, our uh, security guy's like, all right, boys, the bus is leaving at eight o'clock in the morning. That's it. Just just be on the bus at eight o'clock. I'm like, OK, <clears throat> so we go out and proceed to indulge ourselves a little too much. Um, get, get absolutely hammered. And make it back to the room, go back. We, you know, we're walking in the room at like 7.15. Yeah, oh, yeah. Because the game was at 7.45, so we didn't even get on Bourbon Street until like 1. Yeah. And so Bourbon Street takes like a 30-minute break at like 6 a.m., and then they sweep the floor, and then they let you back in. So when they kicked us out for sweeping the floor or cleaning up the place, it was like 6 in the morning. We ended up going back, walking back to the hotel, and, you know, we were hammered, so it took us a long time. We get back there, get dressed. I'm like still really intoxicated at this point. And everything's packed up. <clears throat> My buddies are helping me get on the bus, go to the airport. My buddies are carrying me through. Like my, I had a freshman punter or a long snapper that was kind of my, kind of my, I was kind of rookie hazing him, I guess, with having him like take care of me. And um, so we get to the plane, 8.45. We're on the plane at 9. I'm, in, I'm a senior. We're riding one of those big jets, so seniors had first class or whatever. I had one of those lay-down pods. So I immediately put my stuff in, go to sleep. I slept for four hours. Mind you, it's like an hour and a half flight from there to Atlanta. I sleep four hours. I wake up at little, like 12.30, 1 o'clock. I think we're home. I'm like, all right, we're back in Atlanta. So I start taking my stuff out. Everybody's like hanging around the, thing, the plane, you know? So I start getting my bags, and nobody's saying anything to me. I 
pull my bags out. I start walking to the door. I get over to the door and the flight attendant's like, what are you doing? I was like, what? I'm leaving. What do you mean? What are we doing? She's like, we're still in New Orleans. And I'm like, what? She's like, oh yeah, we, one of our pilots didn't show. He so, was on Bourbon Street. Come to find out, he had gotten sick on Bourbon Street. Yeah, he got sick already. Was right. unable to <laughs> show up. Over. So they had to fly a pilot from Atlanta to get on our plane to, to fly us back. To, no way. Because we had the big jet, so you have to have two pilots. Yep. Like two, I guess, certified pilots or whatever. And uh, <coughs> so we had to wait on him. And I slept through all that. And I was just like. So what'd you do? Did you get up and start boozing or what? No, no, good God. <laughs> went back no. to bed. <laughs> I, got, I went back. And we didn't end up leaving until like three in the afternoon. Brutal. My family drove home that morning and they beat, they beat us back on mm. a seven hour fl- drive. And we only had like an hour, 20 minute flight or whatever it was. Um, but yeah, it was one of the more <laughs> stupid things I've done, I think, in, in just the sense that my teammates were kind of jackasses for not telling me that we're, you know, we're not going anywhere yet. Of course. Um, Bourbon that was kind of the, that kind of was the end, that kind of summed up my, my time in Athens. Yeah. So my Bourbon Street story, I'll tell it briefly here and we'll keep it moving and wrap things up with the Ravens. It's 20, it's New Year's, whatever, and they flew the out-of-state guys in the day before. Okay. So you'd fly in, right, because we went home for Christmas for like four or five days. And, you know, Mushamp and the staff, they fly you down, so it was like me and all the out-of-state guys. And there's a lot of us. A really cool group. A bunch of guys from Philly, a bunch of guys from here, Jersey, Indiana, all over. Yeah. So, but it's a lot of them are the misfit toy guys. Oh. Of course. So we're like, yeah, screw it. Let's go out. So we go out, absolutely tear it up. You know, I'm young. I'm sneaking in, whatever, having a yeah. good time. And uh, had a blast. And I got sick as a dog, like a cold the next day. Mm-hmm. And all my per diem money. I came back to Gainesville with like four grand in per diem money. That must be like $4 million in Gainesville. Yeah, so yeah. I ended up uh, having a good time in Gainesville with that four million. But every time I hear about the Sugar Bowl in New Orleans, I think about that. So the, uh, Yeah, the Sugar Bowl is... A great time. That's a great time, yeah. yeah. New Orleans is it's a 72-hour it's a city. It's a 72-hour city, and then we're out of there. So, all right, yeah. Ravens. Turns into the Ravens, and then we'll wrap things up. Okay. <clears throat> Again, we're talking to Nick Moore, long snapper, Baltimore, Ravens. All right, um, lots to unpack with the Ravens. I don't even know where to go with it because first class, it's a, you know, first off, it's a first-class organization that has mm-hmm. done a ton of winning. Uh, yeah. You're an all-pro there. You play with. Lamar, you play with Justin Tucker, you play with Roquan Smith, you know, you're, you're, you play for a great owner, GM and head coach. Like those organizations, people think they just float on trees in the end and, you know, or excuse me, they, what's the word? Of course, uh, what do they say? Grow on trees. Grow on trees. Excuse yeah, like me. Money. Thank you. I appreciate yeah. it. Like money. My dad would say that. Yes. But they don't, they don't in no, the NFL. <clears throat> there's very few of them that like everyone's in line and there's this beautiful facility and like, this great fan base. Let's start there. <coughs> like playing in Baltimore. It's uh, it's unreal. I mean, I think it starts from the top down. I think Steve, is, Mr. Bashadi, has done. You know, he's very invested in the Ravens. He puts a lot of time and money into the organization. You know, if there's anything that the organization needs and is justifiable to buy, I mean, he buys it. Like he's, he's not afraid to spend money. He wants to win, um, and so he does. I mean, he puts the money into the organization. So I think that. You know, that's where kind of everything starts. Then you got Eric DaCosta, who basically grew up in the organization, has been with the team since 96, started at the bottom, 
has worked his way through the ranks and now he's the GM and he has a, an appreciation for the Ravens. I think that a lot of guys, you know, because he had been there since the beginning and he knows, like he's seen them, they've won two, you know, he's there when they were really bad and he's been there when they've won a super, two Super Bowls. Um, so I think he has a really deep love for the, the organization and Mr. Bishotti and just the city of Baltimore. And so that makes it, like, that's great for all of us. And on top of that, and next to that is we have John Harbaugh, who's arguably one of the best coaches in the NFL. And, you know, they've kind of been the glue. They've been together. John's been there 16 years now. And Eric's been, you know, there for the, the life of the Ravens. And yep. Mr. Bashadi's been in there since the 2000s. And I think having those three guys as, like, key figureheads really set the tone for the organization because they're like, this is what we do. And this is what's expected of you if, you know, they call it the Ravens way and or play like a Raven. And that is the expectation. And like, you know, they all uphold to that. And everybody that's on the, or, that's on the team or in the organization, they have to live up to that. And that's a daily battle. And I think, you know, having those three guys at the top just is something you don't find all that often in the NFL. Mm -hmm. I mean, you don't have, there's so much turnover and coaches. There's so much turnover and, you know, executives and GMs, the ownership stuff, there's not as much turnover, though the, you know, the commanders had a change. You're seeing more of it, though. Like, yeah. in this league, there was never before, you know, uh, Denver, commanders, Yeah. you know, our Panthers team I played for the last three years, you know. Mm -hmm. There has been actually a, a decent amount. But, but more, recently. yeah, but not a ton. No. No. I'm, you don't I'm, give them up. One of 32, you don't give those teams No, up. it's 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 tough. And so I think having those guys have been to, haven't been together for so long, it just and they're really they're the best at what they do, all three of them respectively, and you know I think that just makes the organization so much better. And then on top of that, we have everything we have is top of the line, first class. You know, Mr. Bashadi gets anything and everything that we need. Everything is perfectly manicured. All of the landscaping, the building is beautiful. The castle, right? The castle, yeah. The, 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 castle. the beautiful castle, and everything is just done right. Yeah, like it's just done the right way, and I think that's why they've the, the Ravens have seen you get the jerseys. So they hook you up with the jerseys too, right? That's yeah. not normal either. People, we're, think, yeah, we're like the only team that practices in game jerseys. So you get how many and jerseys a year? Every year at the end, and we get six jerseys. And two. people think that maybe is normal. That is not normal. No, like you pay for your jersey. You got to do that. Like yeah, yeah. Like if you want to do like a jersey couple hundred swap, bucks. Yeah, it's three fifty for a jersey swap. Yeah, that's if you ask in advance. Um, because if you don't ask in advance, it's three grand. Really? Yeah, they'll get you. Yeah. Because um, yeah. they give you, like, we have seamstresses that work for our work for the team that every one of our uniforms is custom exactly how we want it. Yeah. So, like, if we, like, for instance, for me, I wanted to open it up under here just to help with the my arm action and stuff. And she goes in there on these jerseys and does that, you know, for my game jerseys and my practice jerseys so that they match, so that there's no discrepancy between practice and, and game. Wow. Um and so, like, if I give that away, if I ask for a jersey swap, like if I wanted to swap with you, I would be like, hey, on Monday or Tuesday, I'd be like, hey, I want a jersey swap this week. They'll just pull one off the rack that she hasn't worked on, yeah. and then I'll give that away versus giving the one off my back that she's custom made to fit exactly. Now she's got to make another jersey, put my name on it, do the same customizations and all that, and that's just kind of, you know. Yeah, no, it makes sense. I, yeah, I think it's kind of a pain. Yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, you do them at the end of the year, too. Like... Yeah, because we get, I mean, for, for me, we're, we're lucky. We get 
six jerseys. So like, I could just tell my friends like, hey, I don't have to pay for those. So I'm like, hey, at the end of the year, I got, I'll get these ones. You know, if you want, if you want one, I'll give like I give one to my dad and high school and all that stuff. Yeah. So. Who else is different there? Let's say, I mean, Lamar. You got to talk about Lamar. I mean, he's Lamar is he's just different, man. The yeah. things he does with his feet. He's, with his mind. Yeah, he, he's kind like, of an anomaly to me. He, I, I don't understand how he's so fast and can do some of the stuff that he can do. Like, he plays like he can run as well as any of our wide receivers. And better. He, yeah, I mean, as good as any in the league. Maybe probably. other than like Zay. Yeah, I would say Zay's. He's I've never seen anybody stop on a dime like Zay Flowers. But yeah. Lamar can just. He's just such a special athlete that I, I really don't think you see a lot of guys like that. And you know he's got a great arm. He's he's a good. He's becoming a really good, like regular quarterback, like a pocket passer, I guess you would say. But he can also bust a move when he needs to. And he, when he does, I mean, it's like the running back has the ball, you know. So he's a very special talent. And I think you know I think big things are coming. He's played really really well this year. And you know outside of the last couple of years, he's he's been kind of banged up a little bit since I've been on the team, but. I mean, 2019, he was MVP for a reason. It didn't go away. He just stopped. He just missed out. He missed five games in 21 and six games last year. And, you know, it's just unfortunate. And I think, uh, you know, this year he can get all 17 in. I mean, he's, he's a stud. He's one of the best. He's one of the highest paid guys in the league for a reason. And I think he can take us to the promised land. And it's, good. it's great being around that. No doubt, right? The greatness of it and the, and the difference of it and the possibility at any moment in time, like, you know, he can change a game, change a season, you know, yeah. win your game, win we're never, Super Bowl. We're never out of it. As no. long as – if we got eight back there, we can Another score in a second. Another guy that's different. You were talking in comparison to Ray Lewis, Roquan Smith. Talk about him. Yeah, Roquan is – you know, Roquan and I, we've been teammates for a long time now, played college ball together, came into Georgia together, kind of learned the ropes at, in, in Athens, and, and now being back on the team together. I think Roquan – is a once-in-a-generation type player on defense. I, I, I look at, like, when he came. I, I'll never forget this. I was sitting. We were playing Tampa Bay last year. This is the week before we traded for Roquan, Thursday night in Tampa. And I'm sitting there pregame. And they, you know, sometimes they'll show, like, the stat leaders on the board. And Roquan had 88 tackles in, seven, in six games. No, it, it was seven games because we played Tampa week eight. So seven games. I think our, I don't know the exact numbers, but I think our leading tackler had like 50. And, and we're just like, I'm sitting up there, and I, I heard PQ was like, basically said like, damn, he's got 88 tackles? Like, Who's PQ? Patrick Queen. Yeah. Uh, he was, he, you know, he's a stud for us yeah. now, and I think um, adding a guy like Roquan has just upped pe- you know, Patrick's game. Um, but... When you bring in a guy like Roquan, I mean, he made like 17 tackles in his first game with the Ravens against the Saints, and he only been on the team for since Tuesday. Uh, we played him on Monday night, um, and or it was either Monday or Sunday. But to me, he is like the perfect fit for Baltimore. He's got that. He's as close to Ray Lewis as Ray, as anybody will ever be. I think Ray's. Uh, you know, I didn't I didn't have the the privilege of playing with Ray Lewis, but being in Baltimore, you. I've met him. I've talked to him. He's spoken to the team. He's kind of like the standard for like play like a Raven. He's kind of the guy, and I think Roquan 
fits that bill as good as anybody can. And, you know, he's, he's his own player. I think Roquan's a lot faster. I don't know specifics. Like I said, I, I didn't. I wasn't big. He definitely moves well. better than Ray. Like, I think that's, he that's does not, too. That's not controversial. Yeah, I think Roquan. I mean, Roquan's big speed boy. is just. Plus, Ray was like a low-level recruit too. Yeah, yeah. Roquan was like from day one. Yeah, Roquan. He was getting recruited to play wide out at Bama. Yeah, he was committed to U- UCLA at first, and then he almost went to Alabama as a wide receiver. What? That's yeah. That's chaos. Uh, anything to say what else on Baltimore before we wrap things up? You know, I think before we wrap things up, I want to go back to the XFL. You need to tell for our audience this amazing story about having no uprights because that's, <laughs> that's a good story. This is um, it's, it's one that you don't hear a lot in football. Um, we, uh, uh, Mr. McMahon bought the Cincinnati Reds, you know, you play there, the Cincinnati Reds old baseball facility. Converted it to the XFL, became our locker room football practice facility. Great place. Great place. Great facility. Great grass. Yeah, yeah, it was beautiful. I mean, you can't, it doesn't get much better in Florida. The only downside was, there was two downsides. And when you, like, coming from a special teams and, like, being a specialist, like, yardages are, have to be precise because we, we deal in these minute little, like, inches can decide whether it's a good or a good kick or a bad kick or a good snap and a bad snap. So, we the two faults of that were we practiced on baseball fields, so when the fields got painted, which they were painted by the county because we didn't have equipment guys or anything like that, or we didn't have like grounds crew, so the county would paint the fields, and if you've ever been on a baseball field in the outfield, the 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 fence is kind of bowed. It's yeah. not straight, obviously, for because it's deeper in center field, and so they had a tendency to paint the field with that same bow so what that would do would be like it would it would make the yardages different because the field would kind of be like longer on this side and so the lines were kind of going at an angle so like when it got closer to the dirt the 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 five yards was like really four yards and then you got away from the dirt and five yards was like seven yards and so that made a difference for for the snapping and stuff like that but my favorite part was we had no uprights because um, we were practicing on a baseball field. And we go through, you know, the training camp or whatever in January, and we play our first game. And Andrew Franks is our kicker, and he hadn't played. He played with the Dolphins in, like, 2016, 2017, but he hadn't played in several years. Um, and so I remember we missed that. We had a 50-something yarder, our first kick, and we missed it. And then we ended up making another one later on in that game. And and our special teams coordinator, Frank Gans Jr., was like, uh, he basically was like, what the hell was that? Like, how did you miss that field goal? And it was like, mind you, it was like 20-mile-an-hour winds in like 35-degree weather at MetLife Stadium. So it was like brutal conditions. And he's like, man, I don't, we don't have any uprights at practice. I don't know if I'm making, like, I don't know how good these kicks are. And so he's like, well, y'all better, better figure that out, like fix it. So we go back to Tampa. Um, uh, well, I guess we played on Saturday or Sunday. And um, go back to Tampa on our off day. We drive over to Lowe's down the road from the breakfast facility. And we buy these 20-foot tall PVC pipes. And we bring them into practice the next day. And we had equipment guys. Because the NFL and you know, XFL, sim- similar rules with the field. Um, the uprights are on the hash marks. So it's easy. You can just literally post it in the ground on the hash mark. And so that's what we had. We had two equipment guys that posted, that held 20-foot-tall PVCs 
while we kicked field, during field goal period. And uh, uh, Andrew actually went on and kicked really well after that. I think we missed one more field goal after that. But it definitely made a huge difference for him, uh, just confidence-wise, because you like he didn't have any feedback if he was doing good or not. Because like, you can't tell from if you're kicking a 50-yard field goal, it's really difficult to see like, ooh, like if that would have hit the upright, would it have gone in or you know whatever? And so I think having getting the uprights was a was a game changer for us. And you know, I mean, like I said, they did the best they could with this under the circumstances, and uh, we capitalized. But we definitely did not have uprights for a while. XFL, we had unique. The balls were shaped different. They were a different texture too. The NFL has a, a patent on the uh, leather technology really? or something. So we had to have we had different leather on our balls. It was weird. It yeah. was a weird situation. It was not that pigskin like the. Uh, maybe that's ball. why I couldn't snap. I'll blame it on that. Hundred percent, dude. I, I'm I'm not even joking you. We had to break our own balls in. Yeah. And it came with like these weird like triangular shaped like rivets on yep. the ball, and but they were all going in different directions. So it wasn't like a consistent feel. They were trying to make it cool. Yeah, it was like for aesthetic. You know, it was for the look. And meanwhile, you grab the ball and you're like, I cannot hold on to this. Yeah. And we would have to break our balls in. So luckily, Jake Shum, our punter, was like a professional breaker, ball breaker. <laughs> he guy. was dialed in. I know. And like without him, because he, he could rub those rivets out and get it close to what the texture of an NFL ball. Kind of get like a, like a K-ball is really smooth. They, they get rid of the rivets on the K-ball. Um, just because you don't want, aerodynamically speaking, and also grip for me, like you don't want those rivets because... They're just a lot of, it can affect it in a lot of different ways. And the XFL ball was bigger and they didn't break in the same way. So the shape was weird. It was like almost like a rugby ball after we broke in our balls. Yeah, they were, they were um, fatter. Yeah, because there were no rules on breaking in the ball. So we would spend every waking hour that we weren't practicing breaking in balls. We had them in our room because Jake and I lived together. We would just be hammering balls, like literally we beating were, balls with mallets. That was that was nuts. in our hotel room. Living in the hotel room with guys, like on a truck stop. In the Dude, t- I mean, at least it was free. It was know? free. People was complained. Free. If you're mature, yeah. You had a weight room that was great. Yeah. Outside, and it was great. In the old it was like living cages. in California. It, it was good time. Perfect weather. In March. Like, yeah, January, in, January, February, March in in Tampa, Florida is like spring break time. We had a great yeah, time. Yeah, it's like the, the most COVID perfect hit. weather. Yeah, COVID kind of. Where'd you go, Atlanta? Yeah, drove back to Atlanta. I was I had, in Destin. It was great. Too. I got stuck there. Atlanta was not, Atlanta wasn't bad. We I remember we went to LA. Our last game was in yep. LA, remember? They came back and beat us. And we go out there and Jake and I went to dinner. My aunt and uncle live in Arizona and they came for the game. So they took us out to dinner and like people are like wearing masks and stuff and like we're in Tan- we're in Florida, okay? Everyone knows about Florida during COVID. It it was like it was like didn't yeah. even exist really. The first case was in Seattle. We yeah. played in Seattle. Yep. We had to go Second silent games yeah. with like forty, fifty thousand people. Yeah. Then COVID hit. Like there that, was somebody who that. was like a vendor at that game that had COVID. Yeah. I remember sitting down and being like, "Man, the AF shut down. I wonder if this is going to shut us down." And then three weeks later, so, it, yeah. That it, what's his name was licking the microphones and all that stuff from yeah. uh, Salt Lake City. Oh yeah, yeah. But yeah, yeah. now it it's been a hell of a run. And between us, we played fifty something games in the league. I know you're yeah. you're still going. I'm trying to still get back in this thing. One so. day I'll one day I'll come back and hopefully I can play another ten years. But we'll tell the real stories. Uh, we told a lot of yeah. I'll say when we're done, I got plenty. <laughs> I have plenty. I uh, you know, we'll have nothing to do with drinking beer and having a good time. No, no. I can guarantee. Blessed you. to be where I'm at and having the opportunity to continue to play the career and 
get together with with my old my old backup long snapper, oh, my old guy. And uh, if you walked out to that field and said, "All right, these two guys, let's look around, let's do some scouting," of everyone on that team, you would have been like those two. Now they're not going to make it. I probably would have been the last option for a guy that would have made it to the NFL. Cause yeah. Back then, I was you know we drank a lot. I was fat and like. <laughs> You were ripping dimes back there, though. Yeah, I mean, I was snapping the ball really well. At the end of the day, it's all that matters. That's, yeah, but most well, people don't put end. that. Most people don't put that together when you got Nick Truesdale looking like freaking Greek God playing tight end. You're like, did. why is this guy not playing in the NFL? And I don't I mean, know. You got to find your niche in the league. I think too is we yeah. like. Not everybody is. You got to find your niche. Exactly. Not, not, every, not everybody no. is. Everybody there's, there's, there's a need for fourth tight ends in the 100%. NFL. Hundred percent. I mean, and dude, I make a lot of money. And I play long snapper. It's well, a yeah, good. You, it's you, a good living. That's it's a tough job. It's a tough job. But it's like people underestimate me. Everyone well, be. You want. You want to be a punter. You want to be a punter. No. Yeah. You don't want to be a kicker. You don't no, want to be a snapper. Kicker's a lot of pressure. You want to kicker's be a punter. A special breed. But people don't. I think ego gets players a lot, man. They just like. It does. I think you got a lot of players in the XFL. Yeah, they're so used to being the top dog, and it's like, I've been an underdog my entire professional career. Yeah, I was too. a late round draft pick. I was a walk on. I got cut multiple times. Like, it was nothing for me. And I, I luckily, I'm, I found a niche, that I'm, something I'm really good at. And you know, there's a chance I can play for ten years. Yeah. So and that, and that's that. the goal. Play till I'm forty. I'm thirty now, so this year doesn't count. Uh, but so um, we got ten years. You got to wait for the real story. Yeah, the real stories will. Hopefully, I can get there. You know, I, I think I can. I, I played really well in my first two years. Um, and I think I, I have a, a lot of years left in my body. All pro long snapper Nick Moore, thanks for coming on, man. Hey, thanks for having me, brother. I appreciate it.